What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kika Podcast brought to you by the Kika Labs. As always, live from the city of Oceanside, I am Victor V. I'm here with my boy, Louis Lope. Of course, we got Bruce on the side. Yep. And this episode is brought to you by the production of Mr. Piccolo out in the backside of the controls. Uh, but we do have a very, very special guest that uh, having to stop by and kick it with us here at the studio. We got Joshua Reigns. Deputy District Attorney hanging out with us. Josh, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a it's a pleasure to meet all of you and you know, uh giving me a spot on the show to just talk about, you know, whatever you guys want to discuss. And and just a just a little correction, I was a deputy district attorney for two and a half years. Okay. And now I'm a employment defense attorney. So I defend like the small businesses and stuff like that. Okay. So, nice. Yeah. All right. So uh would oh, you yeah. mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, and most importantly, I'm an Oceanside resident, so we can all, you know, enjoy beautiful Oceanside. Um, yeah, so a little bit about me. I am, uh, I got two kids. Uh, Daniel is 18, just turned 18 in December. And then I have Alicia is 14. And then I have a wife at home. Uh, her name is Angie. And um, yeah, so we've been living in Oceanside since 2018. And then we first moved to North County in 2011. I currently, like I said, I'm an employment attorney, employment defense, and that basically means you just defend the local business owners uh, from whatever lawsuits they may encounter and stuff like that. And uh, on the side, uh, I'm also a, a basically Air Force JAG Reserve Officer. And so in that capacity, I do basically, I'm an attorney for the Air Force, and I do a lot of criminal prosecution on, on base as far as military members and stuff like that. So I can still fulfill a lot of my criminal uh, criminal law stuff. Uh, through the Air Force. So I think I start orders. Uh, my base is in New Jersey, so I do a little bit of traveling. Okay. And uh, I think I go out there next month, or actually the end of this month, then all of April, and then I'll be back in May. So it's kind of one of those things that kind of just hop in and out and do uh, do courts and uh, be an attorney for a little while, and then I come back to beautiful San Diego, specifically Oceanside. And then let's see, what else do I do to keep myself busy? I'm uh, I consult a lot of other other attorneys uh, when it comes to like criminal law and stuff like that. I have a, several friends from law school that uh, have their own practices, and they're not really attuned with like the criminal world. So if they get a criminal client, they'll call me up and say, "Josh, what do I do?" And I kind of just walk them through how to how best to defend their client, and you know if they have any cases or issues and stuff like that. I also have a local uh, public relations firm that I manage with another partner of mine. And basically, it's just uh, we take like local candidates that run for like city council, school board, supervisor, stuff like that. And we take them from Joe Schmo citizen that know nothing to elected representative. And that's here in the city of Oceanside? Uh, it could be in Oceanside. We work with anybody in San Diego, really. So most of our candidates are from North County. Uh, Rebecca Jones for uh, San Marcos mayor was one of our, our candidates uh, last okay. cycle. Joe Garcia, he's a Latino pastor from Escondido. Uh, he was one of our clients, a super cool guy. And then, uh, yeah, so just to name a few. And so we kind of just do that. We don't really make a lot of money doing it. It's just more of like a community service type thing. Like we make a little bit of money to, you know, keep the wife so happy. You know, right. we're, we're awake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're working. This is the reason why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just keep them happy. But honestly, we just do it because we're passionate about it. We're passionate about our community. We're passionate about politics and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do that in my spare time. And that's more of a, a cyclical thing because obviously elections aren't all the time. So yeah. it's every two years and, you know, keeps us busy on the election year. So now that we just finished an election, I have a little bit more time. 
uh, to do other endeavors. Yeah, that was uh, uh, just this past year, right? 2022, mm-hmm. where uh, we had a quick little run in, in uh, a couple of different uh, vacant chairs. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, there's usually elections, no matter where on the ballot, up and down the ballot, from president to governor, every two years you'll find something going on. And that's not counting like the special elections or any type of weird elections that kind of come up. Yeah. And then, uh, then let's see, I have uh, my own real estate uh, investment business that I run, both for my family and myself. Uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, most of the time it's on autopilot, but, you know, there are times that requires a lot of attention. And let's see what else to, to do to keep myself busy. I'm, uh, uh, I was a foundation board member uh, for Guahomi uh, High School. Um, it's a charter school in Vista. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, so I did that for several years. Um, my son goes to Guahomi. Um, he's graduating in a couple months now. And then I just recently served on the Oceanside uh, Planning Commission. Um, and I had to act, unfortunately step away from that because my military duty was just taking up too much time. Uh, uh, but got a lot of experience like with, uh, you know, development and projects and really cool things uh, going on in the city. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, let's see what else about me. I'm a California native. So originally uh, from the Bay Area. Oh. So, and then uh, joined the Air Force originally uh, out of high school, uh, just after 9-11. And then got shipped all over the world, landed in Las Vegas for four years. Uh, did a tour over in the Middle East uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And then uh, got out of the Air Force, went reserve for a couple years, uh, went to um, University of Colorado for my undergrad. And then, uh, of course, always wanted to come back to California because how can you beat California, right? It's pretty right. hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> really hard. There's really cool places out there, but, I mean, yeah, nobody beats California. No, I 100% agree. I think we can all be friends like, if I heard that. So, <laughs> you know? uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, I was stuck in Colorado for a while. That's during, like, the 2008 economic downturn. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody stopped hiring. It was kind of hard to get a job. So kind of got stuck there a little bit. Um, originally never wanted to be an attorney, actually. Uh, actually wanted to just be involved in law enforcement and this kind of thing. And unfortunately, like during that 2008 crisis, that's when, uh, you know, all the police departments around the country just stopped hiring because there was no budget or anything because of the, the economic mm-hmm. stuff. And so I had to kind of seek other options. So I was working part time going undergrad uh, for a bank, uh, U.S. bank. And kind of just decided to stick with that and get some financial background. So I ended up doing that for about seven years. Uh, and then I finally, like, kind of just cut, had enough of corporate America, I guess you could say, and decided, you know what, I need to do something else. So I had a lot of uh, friends and family kind of encourage me, say, hey, Josh, have you thought about law school? And I'm like, guys, like, I don't have the money to go to law school. Like, you know, I kind of grew up uh, kind of lower middle class, like didn't really have a lot of money. Um, and then I found a way for the, cause I was a veteran, uh, the air force would actually pay for it. And so I was like, okay, well let's, let's give it a shot. And I, the first, first semester of law school, I did okay. And I didn't blow anything out of the water, got to my second semester of law school. And I was like, I don't know if this is really for me. Like, I just don't know. Right. And then I started doing like more of the, uh, like the oral advocacy stuff, like courtroom presentations, this kind of thing. And I found it, I really enjoyed that. You know, it was like, I didn't really like the, the typing and like the stuff that most lawyers, like 90% of lawyers mm-hmm. do like, you know, the book stuff or like the, the writing stuff. I really excel like doing stuff in the courtroom where I can be more, uh, you know, uh, like, a little bit more vocal, vocal more involved. yeah, yeah. You know, more, you know, interaction with people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I did really well with that. And in fact, so well, I started winning awards 
and they're like, oh yeah, this is great. And so I'm thinking like, well, maybe this is for me, then. you know? So, so that, that's kind of where, where I kind of landed as far as law school goes, of course, with my uh, criminal or, you know, uh, not criminal, but uh, law enforcement background, criminal law, eventually. Um, that's kind of what steered me toward like the prosecution route. And so I ended up being a, a criminal prosecutor, prosecuted misdemeanor and felony crimes, working with like victims of uh, either like domestic violence or a lot of victims of like stalking and stuff like that. And so it felt really fulfilling to kind of be able to protect victims in that way and kind of just do, you know, uh, good service for the community. And so then, like I mentioned, I was on the Oceanside Planning Commission and you know, that was a huge learning experience, learning about different projects Oceanside's have coming up and different, uh, you know, different developments that we have in the works. It was really special. So, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what really is like the Oceanside Planning Commission? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. For those that don't know. So a lot of people, you know, they just kind of take city city government for granted. Right. And they don't realize that, like all those people, no matter who they, you know, the mayor, Mayor Sanchez or my, my council member, Ryan Kime. Uh, there's really just part-time employees, right? They, they get like 25000 a year to do two months, you know, not two months, but like two meetings a month. That is true, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, it is really a full-time job, like representing the city and getting out there and really like, you know, developing relationships with the community. Yeah. Right. And, and they, they don't really, they're getting part-time salary for full-time pay, right? But, you know, with that in mind, uh, like unlike Congress, which is like, you know, the, in, in D.C. where it's full time, you're there all the time, you're on different committees. You know, we can't ask our city council members or mayors to be on all these committees. They, they do stuff like with Sandag. I don't know if you guys know what that mm -hmm. is. Um, or like, you know, the North County Transit District. They have a lot of committees yeah. they have to be on. Right. Um, but there's a lot of other committees that are kind of left with with no one no one to do anything with so that would be like your police and fire commission or you'd be like your planning commission be all these sub commissions that are really left vacant because we don't have a full-time legislators at the city level to fill them right so that's when normal citizens like anybody in oceanside or whatever city you belong to can apply to hey i want to be on this commission and serve my community right and kind of take the burden off of the council and what you do is you just that's really a lot of where the city work happens right is you're representing, you know, the 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 constituents in the city because you're a resident yourself, and you know these developers that have, let's say, you know, they bought a uh, you know, twenty acre plot of land, they want to put a new Walmart, or you know, like the CarMax that they're putting in over on uh, uh, in South Oceanside that they they just opened. Yeah, it opened um, up yeah. next to the DMV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was one of the projects we approved. But, you know, the people who uh, represent CarMax, their attorneys, the developers, they all have to come before the commission. The commission can consist of six to eight people. And they're all, like I said, just regular civil civilians uh, of the city. And they say, hey, this is our plan. This is what we want to do. Like, what do you guys think? And they have to get our input. Right. And then they have to they have an open open meeting. And this takes several hours. Right. Because you have a lot of uh, not just that project. There's maybe two or three projects you have to kind of talk about that evening. And just like the city council, it's twice a month. You know, it's like a couple hours out of your evening on like a Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever we can schedule them. And, you know, that's kind of part of the community input. And then we, we approve it and it goes to the city council and they see our recommendation. So kind of they don't have to do that work. Right. So they can say, OK, planning commission already reviewed it. We feel pretty confident. 
Or if they have additional questions, they can shoot it back to us and say, hey, like, did you guys address this, this, and this? Like, oh, no, we forgot. Like, let's address that. And then we have another hearing and so on and so forth. But that's really what the Oceanside Planning Commission is or any commission, really. You know, the Police and Fire Commission. And, you know, they kind of deal with the public safety, you know, the, the police department, like, you know, what policies do we have? What can we what can we do to make it better? What can we do to change? Stuff like that. So it's very important. So I would encourage any of your listeners uh, to have any interest in, like, community service. That's a really great way to serve. And is there, like, a certain way for them to be able to reach out to these commissions? Is there, like, a certain page? Or do you have to – does each commission have, like, its own individual um, – yeah, it's, it's through the city website. So if you just okay. literally Google Oceanside Commission, uh, Boards and Commissions, it should take you right to the page. There's like an art commission. There's a beach commission. There's a commission for everything. Any okay. of your just interest. gives you just like a different branch. Yeah. Of like different things. To do. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. And nice. so, yeah, it's it's, a, it's super cool. A good way to serve the community. So. Uh, and uh, there was something you were saying earlier about uh, you also help uh, during election times, I believe, or right before election times with the. Uh, helping them turn from Joe Schmo into like more of a politician and mm-hmm. stuff. How, how do you guys go about doing that? Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. So, um, so, <laughs> so my, my major in undergrad was actually political science. Right. And so a little bit before that, like I hadn't really decided on a major, I was going to community college, you know, air force is paying for it. So I'm just taking class, you know, so, you know, kind of the general ed classes you have to take. Right. And uh, you know, I, I kept hearing from all my peers in, in community college. They're like, Oh, there's this there's a class called political science. The teacher's awful. The class is just super hard. Like it's very difficult. Like in, in these like they're my math classes or like my Spanish classes. You know these kids were these kids are pretty smart. Like I never really considered myself really a brainiac or anything. But you know they they would constantly get B's or A's in other classes, but they get C's or D's in this political science class. And I'm like, oh great! Like I don't want to take this class. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you just feel like like the joint failure. You're just like, ooh, I don't know about that, man. Yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, you have to take it right, right in order to get you know to progress to the next level. So I was like, I saved it to last. I was like, oh, I'm dreading this. So I, I take the class and you know I get the book and I'm kind of reading the book and it it's just basic you know U.S. government. You know, it's like here's what the president does, here's what Congress does, here's the Supreme Court, and like this and that. A little bit of history mixed in. And I was like, well, this is this is pretty simple. And I always had like an interest in politics, you know, it was never not a foreign concept for me. So, I, I, you know, I, I like took the class and I'm like, you know, we're doing a little bit of like the Roman history and how that intermixes with the U.S. history and stuff like that. And I'm like, this doesn't really seem that difficult. Like, you know, maybe maybe I just haven't got to the hard part, yet, mm-hmm. you know, just waiting for the, the you know, the shoe to drop. We got all the way through the, the semester. I ended up getting an A in the class. It was like, easy <laughs> <laughs> A, okay, let's yeah. go. Damn. So I, I literally went up to, I remember this like clear as day, I went up to the professor afterwards. And, you know, I was one of his top students, so he, he knew who I was. And I was like, hey, professor, like, is this, you know, this class, I have really enjoyed it and I did fairly well. And I said, is, is this a, ma- can you major in this? And he's like, yeah, it's called political science. That's what I have my major in. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> this is great. Um, so that's what I ended up getting my major in. I went to university, applied to University of Colorado, got in, uh, started taking my core classes. And this is, of course, during like 2007, 2008, when the presidential election is kind of mm-hmm. ramping up. Right, and we have uh, you know Hillary Clinton going up against Barack Obama, and you know they're duking it out. And like Colorado is on the list of states that are going to be voting early, and it's all exciting. And uh, all of my professors, you um, were you know seasoned political. Uh, what's it called uh you know professors of political science basically um they were also like moonlighting or you know working part-time for the obama campaign 
And they had a lot of like great ideas and strategies. And like, I'm like processing all this stuff. And I'm like, these are really great ideas. Like we're not talking about politics. I'm talking about like the strategy for campaigning, you know, like reaching out to voters, like yeah. voter contact, right. this kind of thing. Right. New ways to contact getting yeah. people involved as opposed to like, just running the whole PR right. yeah, yeah, campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, actually like very intense, like chess kind of strategy. You know, I was very impressed. So, you know, I, I started volunteering on campaigns, like kind of getting my feet wet and like this kind of thing. And, you know, I kind of got a knack for it. I started, I volunteered to be like a treasurer on a race. I didn't really like the money stuff, but even though I work at a bank, right? Um, but, you know, I started getting into more of the strategy and like the, you know, the voter contact and like the, the analytics and statistics of it. You know, like the polling data, that kind of thing. And I was like, you know what? I think maybe I could just do this myself, you know, like, so let me just try. So sure enough, like, you know, I started like, you know, just meeting people that really can't afford like a full-time political consultant because these they're running for school board or they're running for, you know, city council, right? Yeah. It's like, these are not highly paid positions and they're not really like, people are going to spend a lot of money doing that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to raise a lot of money. And, you know, to hire a professional political consultant like you would do, like, you know, this, this season coming up, like, like Joe Biden's probably going to spend a lot of money. I don't know what Trump's going to spend. Right? But if any of the Republicans are probably going to hire very, very seasoned, you know, political operatives. Right. You know, yeah. they know what they're doing because, uh, you know, it takes a lot to run for Congress or Senate or the president. Right. Um, and they, they, the little the little city council we can't afford. So, I, you know, I would just, you know, hey, give me like a hundred bucks a month or whatever you can afford to work into the budget. Just like, like I said, I can justify to the wife why I'm staying late at night or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah and so, so that's what I started doing. And what, uh, what it is, is honestly, it's just, you know, obviously experience. Right. And so you like, there's like a whole, like, uh, like survey I give the new candidates. Okay. Like, you know, first off, like, why do you want to run? Right. Cause you have to, if you can't convince me why, why I should work for you, you're not convincing any voters mm -hmm. to vote for you. Right. So really that's where it starts. It starts like, okay, why do you want to run? Right. Like what, what do you want to fix? Like, what's the problem? Oh, I want, you know, this, this, and this. And usually like they have 10,000 ideas. <laughs> we have to narrow that down to really three. Right. You got to right. have like the main, uh, <laughs> you know, the main points that you're trying to get people to vote. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, once you vote for me and these are the main things I will be concentrating on. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a lot of people and, you know, the, the best way to voter contact is going door to door. Right. And you're you're talking to people, especially in the political realm, like you have to, we have to understand the people who deal in politics all the time, like myself, we're not normal. Right. So no, normal people don't want to talk politics all the time. Right. They, yeah, they get all offended. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, One, yeah. it's not even offensive. It's just like people just the, the election's done. I'm done thinking about it for two, two years, or even right. some, for some people, four years, you know, cause some people only vote in the presidential election yeah, for the most part. I think that's yeah. like the most common mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So, you know, normally like, like my wife is a perfect example, doesn't care about politics at all. Right. So she wants to go home, go home and watch like below deck or, you know, some kind of like reality show, you know, she's not going to have, want to have anyone knock on the door. Hey, I'm running for office. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> How about you just run away from this door? Man? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, you know, th that's the other challenge is like, you know, you have, you have these candidates that really are passionate about their community. They want to do a good job. They want to like, you know, like our current city councilor mayor, you know, they have the passion for it. You know, they want to do the service. But you got to you got to be able to like fit that passion into like 30 seconds because that's all the time you're going to really have talking to voters at the door. So usually what I do is to kind of narrow down their big ideas is whatever office they're running for. And usually, you know, it's either school board or uh, city council. I'll say, hey, like whatever school district you're running for, or whatever city you're running for, 
you need to go download the city budget for the past two or three years. You need to read through it, right? Because, or the school district, look at the budget. What are they spending money on, right? Because that's the issues you're going to have a direct control over, right? So, for example, a lot of people don't realize that right, if you run for city council, you're really not going to have anything to do with education at all because you have an independent school board that deals exclusively with education. With yep. school yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people don't know that. And they're like, you know, they come to me and they're like, Josh, I want to like, you know, let, you know, police funding, let's say. Like we need to, you know, reform the police department or and we need to like help our schools. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we're going to calm that down. Like, we're <laughs> going to have to splice, you know, splice that apart a bit. Uh, but usually after they read the budget, they, they have a more solid, yeah, more solid understanding of, oh, okay, I can, I'm only going to deal with like potholes and police funding and, or whatever the else the city, you know, you know, beach erosion, this kind of thing. Um, or, you know, like planning development, you know, this kind of thing, like where, where, the, where's the next housing development going to go? Where's the next Costco going to, going to be built? That kind of stuff you're going to have a direct impact on. And so, you know, we just getting them to understand that's really like half the battle, getting their message down to like a 30 second, you know, chunk of the next and then it's getting them out there to work to really like you know focus their energy on contacting the right voters and and what i mean by that's more of the strategy piece that i talk about and and how i explain it to people is this is like you know you see a lot of candidates that don't hire the right consultants or don't hire consultants at all you'll probably see them out on the street corner right like waving a sign and that's typical right yeah um i absolutely forbid my candidates to do that no, dude, no, honestly, like, to me personally, I, I find that annoying, man. If I see people out there, like, holding signs and stuff, I'm just like, I don't want to vote for that person. I'm going to be like, like, best of luck to you. I, really? I, God, like, God bless your heart. Get, get my vote on Facebook. <laughs> but that's really noble of you, Josh, to uh, be able to bring in these uh, up-and-coming candidates that are really just brand new into the circuit and don't know exactly what they're doing. Because we've had a few that have come by through the – to the podcast and we've spoken to them about how it is to run a campaign and you know for a first timer it is uh it is challenging yeah we've had a we've had a couple people that have that, uh, through the podcast uh, trying to run for uh for mayor school board etc city council yeah and one that sticks out with me is uh uh is it fernando garcia was that his name i believe so he was running for mayor during the. I know uh, exactly who you're talking about yeah, but i don't know a, if that's the correct name right though, i don't remember yes. i i'm gonna look it up but i i think that was his name uh he was running for mayor of oceanside as well it was uh when christopher rodriguez was running so oh, yeah. uh, Ms. Esther sanchez and uh, he was telling me because he was you know, he was just a normal guy i think he was also a former military yeah. and he was saying that he was going through all those paperwork and all that stuff was like dude they make it so confusing for like the you know for the average person to be mm-hmm. able to understand what's going on oh yeah it, it, it's very true i mean like just the financial reporting requirements alone I, advise, I mean, I don't deal with that. Like I said, I tried doing the treasury thing once. I hated it, you know, because I, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that like I'm pretty good with money generally, mm. but I was working at a bank at the time. So I was dealing with money all day. I so you're just to- over, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> tired of looking at these numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't, don't want to do money at nighttime. I was like, you know, like you know, I have dreams about money. Um, so, yeah, but like just the financial reporting requirements alone, um, number one, are, are super important. It's extremely tedious. And number number three, it can get you in the most trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Duncan Hunter. I mean, he, he ended up getting federally prosecuted. He was a former congressman from East County um, because he messed up, you know, and, and it, was, it wasn't just that he made a mistake. It was a lot of uh, uh, bad faith kind of stuff mm-hmm. going on, at least according to the U.S. Attorney's uh, Office. Underhanded type of yeah. things. 
you know, like purchasing, you know, GameStop stuff with campaign funds, Th this type of thing. That's mm -hmm. like a oh, big no-no, right? And so, you know, that that's like one example. But there's tons of examples of people just getting in huge trouble because they didn't hire the right accountant. Or they're just very, you know, willy-nilly with the campaign funds, which you can't be. And so that, you know, I always advise my clients, you know, here's a list, pick one. We've worked with them in the past, but, you know, make sure that's squared away. Um, and then, you know, everything else kind of just falls into place. But, but yeah, um, you know, it definitely is not the easiest thing to do. Is it safe to say that the song Money by Pink Floyd is not one of your favorites? <laughs> well, that's a great song. It, it depends on the context. So if we're talking about my money. Then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so uh, let's go back to more of the uh, attorney side of things. Um, a, a lot of people out here don't have a basic understanding of how the law works. Um, what are some of the things that you could advise people on how to go about it if they find themselves in that situation? Sure. I mean, the biggest advice that I constantly tell people is unless you're reporting a crime, there's no need to talk to the cops. All right. And this is coming from a, you know, seasoned criminal prosecutor and a current Air Force prosecutor. Right. And I'm telling you, like, that's where a majority, not even a majority, I would say 75 percent of our cases I just go to the police report where they, the defendant or the, the, the suspect starts talking and then the case is done, right? Because they admit everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the, cause they always try to think they can either outsmart the cops, which you can't, the cops do this professionally all the time. They're going to trip you up. That's their job. Right. Um, and I'm we're talking everything from a very complex investigation to just a simple traffic stop. Right. And you know, I haven't had been put in this position because obviously I don't drink and drive. Um, but for those that do have a couple glasses of wine or something like that and want to drive home, it's perfectly fine. Uh, know your limits, obviously. Um, but if you get pulled over, they're going to ask you, have you been drinking? You're, you're not required to answer that. <laughs> right. And like usually what I, what I, what I've told all my kids and what I tell my friends and, and, you know, any, any people who ask me for advice, you want to be very respectful to the police, but uncooperative. Right. I mean, you just be very, um, I apologize, sir. I'm not going to answer that question. Right. He's very respectful, but you're not cooperating with his and he's right. investigating. Right. He's trying to figure out if you're committing a crime, uh, i.e. drinking, and driving, for example. Right. And so any of the tests that he wants you to do, you don't have to do any of those. Right. Until they actually place you in handcuffs like you're being arrested and they make you for a DUI uh, and they make you actually like say, do you want to do like the breath test or the um, uh, the blood test? You have to do one of those. I mean, technically, you don't have to. I mean, you're just risking your license being suspended for a year, right? Um, they're going to get a warrant, and you're going to—they're going to get one of them regardless. So yeah. at that point, you do have to make a decision. But up until they put you in handcuffs or tell you you're under arrest, you don't have to answer any questions. You don't have to do any of the walk and turn nonsense. None of that stuff. And a lot of people don't know that, and I think that's very important because uh, a lot of people just—you know—they want to go along with the program or don't know the rights, unfortunately. And I've had many cases where I've actually, you know, on, on the prosecution side, I've been rooting for the actual defendant because I'm like reading it. Like, for example, I, uh, this last summer I was doing criminal prosecution in New Jersey for the Air Force. And we're, there, we're dealing with a case that had to do with sexual assault. And I could the, the victim story was a little wishy-washy. And, and I'm a very pro-victim type person, obviously, because I'm a criminal prosecutor. Yeah. So I'm very victim minded. But her story just didn't add up to me. You know, if it's not adding up to me, it's not going to add up to the jury, right, if we had to end up going to trial. And so I was kind of questioning her story. And then, you know, we, I saw the, the interview of the defendant. 
and we call them accused in the Air Force, but same difference. And, you know, I, I believed the kid, you know, this 21 year old kid met this girl on Tinder, things happened, right? But his version of the story sounded much more plausible. And, you know, and he, he didn't come across as, you know, he was lying or being insincere. But he got, they got to the point where the investigators are reading him his rights. And you can tell he kind of like plays with the idea of getting an attorney. Like, he's like, you know, do you want an attorney where, you know, we can provide you on or we'll stop questioning. And he kind of like flirts around with the issue. And I'll get to my second point here. This is very important. Um, he's like, well, do you think I need an attorney? And of course, what are they going to say? They're going to, they're like, well, we can't tell you whether you need an attorney or not, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they can't, but they're not going to say yes or no. Right. You know, they're hoping that they, they he just talk. talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he, you know, I, I was like this moment in the video where I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, ask for an attorney. Come on, kid. You're, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're right there. And he did, didn't end up asking for the an attorney. He ended up explaining, but I think in this rare circumstance, it actually helped him. Because, like, for example, you know, in this situation, I got to review the case, and ended up, I ended up believing his story, right? So I, I got to hear his side of events, and it seemed, like I said, it seemed more plausible, right? So I ended up getting the case dismissed and thrown out, which is, you know, that's just. Um, but anyway, so that leads me to my second point. A lot of people don't know is you have to use the exact words, I want a lawyer, or I want an attorney, period. That's it. You can't beat around the bush and say, you know, may, maybe I should get an attorney or – Maybe, you know, I think I should talk to an attorney. That's none of that's going to work. So there, this, this stems from an actual court case in which it went all the way up to the Supreme Court in which the, of course, we're reading court transcripts here, right? And so on the paper, it, he told the detectives that he wants an attorney dog, right? Wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> what he said was word for word, I want an attorney dog. Right. And, and it, it read like that. D.O.G. is, is what oh, it is. Oh, but he spoke. probably meant D.A.W.G. Like, Correct. Yeah. Attorney, dog. Like, that, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Ah, right? OK. And, and, and so the police caught on that and, you know, very intuitively said, well, we don't we don't we don't provide attorney dogs. Right? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and the, and the Supreme Court ruled that, like, no, he didn't invoke his right. He didn't say it correctly. He should have just said, I want an attorney. Really? Period. Yeah. And so that his case got tossed and he ended up having to sort of spend prison time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, a lot of it is really like very uh, direct and like, all right, well, Literally. you said it like this and mm -hmm. that's how we're going to interpret it. And yeah. that's, that's what the Supreme court is for is how is to interpret, interpret and apply the law correctly. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did in, in, in such a small way of god dang how, what would you call that wow. <laughs> it's very precise yeah you, you can't call any police officer dog because it, it doesn't fly okay what about Man. the canine unit take some notes everybody <laughs> now, now i hope at some point we do have an attorney dog you know instead of saying objection you hear the <laughs> <laughs> that would stand for recess let's go play ball boy <laughs> Uh, that's a great cartoon episode right there. <laughs> uh, but you were saying uh, ask for a lawyer or an attorney. Is there a difference between both? Um, or is it just kind of like a synonym? It's a, it's a synonym, really. I mean, people try to make the distinction um, that, like, a lawyer is, you know, somebody who's, like, authorized to practice law. 
attorney is is like somebody who's passed the, the bar. I might I might have gotten the two switched also, but somebody who has passed the bar and was waiting results or hasn't been sworn in yet or something like that. So there's like a very right. little distinction, but they're pretty much synonymous. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And speaking yeah. about the bar exam, um, um, for California, how many times did you have to take it? Just once. Thankfully, I passed my first time. There you go. Because I always hear some side stories with lawyers like they're saying, like, yeah, dude, the second time or third time, you know. I know some people took it four times. Wow. What's your take on it, on the bar exam? It's a ridiculously hard test. And I don't know whether it actually makes you a better attorney. I, I I would err on the side that it doesn't. It really doesn't deal with, like, really legal issues. It's more of just memorization and, like, being able to, like, you know, who can memorize the most stuff kind of thing and who can type it faster. That's really all it is. It really, it's not a, not a, like kind of a medium of who is a good attorney who's not. Um, it, it does, it, it does filter out people that aren't really, I guess, committed in the way I, I do agree with the, you know, you, it, 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 it's a slog and it takes a lot of motivation and a lot of preparation, a lot of memorization. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, you know, it really filters out the people that really don't are not dedicated and that don't want to put in the time and effort to really pass the test. I went into it thinking like this is this is my entire existence. I am not going into that test ill prepared. And I still went in feeling like I was going to get slaughtered. Right. You can't ever feel good about the test. Butterflies in the stomach and everything. Uh, that and much more. <laughs> uh, it, it was funny because like when we're in there's two, there's a. like the written portions you kind of knock out i felt okay about that i didn't feel great i didn't feel like i bombed anything um and then really the what separates the men from the boys or the the women from the from the girls is the uh uh the multiple choice section at least in my opinion and that's where like you know you have like two or three you know different answers that could be and you have to kind of eliminate in your head and quickly because you only you're on a time limit of which answer it could be you know and there's two different sections of that test. And so you take the first section, because it's, it's two days. So the first day is all typing as fast as you can, you know, your, your fingers hurt afterwards. And then the second day is, you know, in the morning, you take like the first part of the, the multiple choice. And then the, the, the afternoon is the second part of multiple choice. Yeah. So not everybody takes the same section. Like, you know, the year, you know, sometimes it's, there's like a harder section. There's like a regular, like a medium section. So I got the, like, I was one of my only people in my friends group that got like the super hard section first. And the, these, these questions were nothing like I practiced for. This is completely. That sounds like every <laughs> test out there, man. <laughs> yeah. Changed it up on you. Yeah. And I, I'm like thinking I'm, I failed every question. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I walked to lunch and we, you know, we were at the hotel downtown San Diego. I walked out and we were at the Marriott. I walked out in the pool area. I was, I felt sick. I was like, I failed. And everyone else was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so it was funny because I was thinking like, oh, everyone else seems to be just fine with the test. And I'm like, I maybe I just didn't study that. I was feeling really defeated. Mm-hmm. So then I got the second portion. And that was more of like what I was what expecting. You, you know, it was definitely harder, but it was like more in line with what I was anticipating. I was like, oh, great. So then it was funny because then I felt a little bit better. Right. I didn't feel great, but I felt a little I didn't feel like I was going to puke anymore. So then we got done with the day and then all my friends had the exact same feeling that I had at lunch. They all felt uh, sick. And you know, and I'm like, ha ha Like, so I kind of got the last laugh. But, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it, it is definitely a difficult test. And, you know, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if you could uh, disclose it, but what was uh, 
probably like the most difficult question you found uh, on that yeah, test. It's yeah, not, that's a good one. It's not necessarily disclosing. It's being able to remember. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, once you get it done, you're done yeah, with it, right? You're like, it's over. Just You just mind dump it. But, I mean, there were a couple questions that really like kind of like out of left field, like the stuff that we didn't even cover. Like there was like tribal land law that deals with like mm. Indian reservations and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is this question doing? We didn't know this never even discussed in law school, let alone bar prep. And so it was like a question like that. There's a couple other weird questions. Like maybe I think there was one that had to deal with like a maritime law, like has to do with like U.S. Coast Guard, like off the in the high seas. And I'm like, this this has to be like some kind of because sometimes they do like put test questions in there. And I was like, this has to be one of them. The questions that don't even matter, but they're just in the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just like, yeah, let's let's mess around with this guy's percentages right now. <laughs> so it's basically crash test dummy questions. But it's good yeah. info to know though. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's probably those ones just because they caught me so off guard. Like I, and of course they left a lasting impression because mm-hmm. you know, I was totally unprepared for those type of things, but. Um, but as far as like the subjects, all the subjects I had were, I had studied for pretty well. The one I studied for the least was probably, we had a contracts question. So I was probably least prepared for that, like on the essay portion. Um, but I passed. So that's all that matters. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's, it's good to hear. Uh, we do actually have a couple of comments on the Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, we have oh, all the- <laughs> Yeah, no, we get pretty raunchy on this podcast. Uh, Alu saying light the blunt. <laughs> Uh, we do not have any on the table today. I am sorry. We're we're on good behavior today. I'm kicking it, way. <laughs> just straight uh, but Thank you, Aldo. Yeah, and then we have Osalan saying, "What are some myths for marijuana that people believe are laws, or vice versa?" There's a lot of myths out there, dude. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I don't know about the myths, but I can cover some uh, some of the laws that I know about. Um, okay. For example, I don't believe you're allowed to do it in public. I think it's actually just public. You're not allowed to just smoke any anywhere you want. Yeah, exactly. similar to uh, drinking. Right, right. So you got to be careful with that. It's not probably enforced a lot, I don't think, because obviously I smell it a lot. But uh, that's something to be aware of. You can be probably ticketed for if somebody complains or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, as California is concerned, it's uh, six plants. I think you guys probably know more than me. I think you can ha- legally have six plants in your backyard. Um, without you know raising a fuss i think anything more than that you could probably skim the lines a little bit without having to worry about you know getting ticketed but uh if you start getting into the hundreds of plants they're probably crazy oh yeah then now now it's a problem (laughs) there's no way that's all for personal use (laughs) yeah it's like oh boy i see a big old tax Um, but yeah, and then just uh, key, important to keep in mind, uh, like, for example, like uh, I, I am not actually able to do any marijuana products or, you know, uh, marijuana in general because I'm a federal employee and it's still mm-hmm. illegal federally. So it's yeah. important to keep that in mind. Um, for example, if, if people go on base, for example, those are federal installations, uh, the, you can be cited and even arrested for having any amount of marijuana. Uh, and I don't want to speak on like the actual intoxication level, but uh, any possession of marijuana is strictly legal on federal installation. So if you have to go on camp penalty for any reason and they can search your car for, you know, a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. if you get caught, you're going to get side and you have to go to federal court. So, and that is a pretty hefty fine. So just keep in mind. There you go. Take some notes right here from Josh. If you go to anywhere in San Diego where it has to be a military base, make sure you leave your stuff at home. Uh, do, you, do you ever think it will be legal at the federal level? I, I think we are headed that direction, honestly. And honestly, it would make our lives, on the, uh, as far as the Air Force goes, a lot simpler. 
because a lot of our cases come from, you know, you have airmen that are, you know, coming from like places like California where it's legal and like, they just, it's not impressing upon them like the seriousness nature of how the military views, you know, marijuana. And so I think, you know, a lot of our caseload or like discharges or people that get in trouble have to do with that. And that would kind of lighten our caseload. Um, you know, how, how the Air Force is going to deal with it. Cause we do, you know, with, and the reasoning behind it, I kind of agree with is, you know, we have a lot of airmen who are mechanics and deal with like jet fighter planes and we, and we can't have them high, like obviously working on the aircraft. Right. I mean, cause that puts people's lives in jail. Yeah. Safety reasons. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, it's jet fighters about to go high in the air. Like, why can't I? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think we're, we're, we're headed that way federally. I don't know that it'll actually ever be legal in the military. I think it'll probably be more of like a workplace safety kind of mm-hmm. thing or workplace policy as opposed to a criminal action, yeah. which I think is kind of more appropriate. Um, but I, I do see us, we're kind of getting to the point where enough states are going to be legalizing it that the feds are going to have to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then after that, next thing is cocaine. <laughs> uh, a lot of other things that just that, man. <laughs> but Josh, I do want to thank you, man, for what it is that you're doing here in the city of Oceanside. And again, for opening up your, your practice to all these up and coming politicians. Um, and, but I do, I, I do really want to go back to uh, your Air Force days because uh, it seems like the Air Force actually opened up a, a, a lot of doors for you and gave you a lot of opportunities, uh, whether it was schooling or uh, just picking up skills in, in the Air Force itself. And what president administration was, was your military? Uh, don't don't well, ask that, bro. It's, it, it's actually interesting. I've served over multiple presidents. So, um, my, you know, obviously after 9-11, it was George W. Bush, right? Yeah. So, not, you know, we had the whole Iraq war and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I separated in 2008, but that was before Obama was elected. But then, uh, so anyway, so a little bit, so you know, kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go the timeline here. All right. Because uh, it'll make more yeah. sense. Um, so obviously after high school, 9-11 happened, everyone's patriotic. I was one of those people, went and joined, signed up, you know, no college, no anything. Um, you know, I, I signed up because I had an interest in law enforcement, so I wanted to be a cop. So I was a cop for the Air Force for four years, and just basically you're a cop on base. You do circles. Yeah, military police. Military police. That's what it was. And uh, you also do security for, like, the aircraft and, like, the nuclear weapons and stuff like that. So it was, it was fun. Had a blast. Met a lot of really cool people. Again, I was stationed in Vegas. So, you know, <laughs> half the time it was fun because, you know, when, when, I, when I got there originally, I was only 19. So I couldn't gamble, couldn't drink legally anyway. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> That's how you do it, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so you know, met a lot of cool people. So then I got out and I did reserve for two years when I was in Colorado doing undergrad. And I, I was uh, stationed in uh, a base, F.E. Warren, Wyoming. I would go up there, you know, a couple times a year to serve and kind of do everything. So then I finally got done. I said, you know, I've kind of had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. So then I kind of just complete break in service. I uh, made it to the rank of senior airman, which is an E4 enlisted. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, then I just decided to focus on, you know, have my family and my, uh, you know, bank career, see kind of what's going on, get, get schooling done, bachelor's degree accomplished, all that's done. So then finally, you know, got back out here to California. We moved to North County in 2018. Uh, finally, because mainly uh, just on a side note. Uh, I didn't realize how much I missed the beach growing up from in the Bay Area until I was stationed in Vegas. 
And I, I couldn't wait to get back to California. Of course, then I had to go to Colorado, which is even farther from the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Went from the desert to the mountains. <laughs> yeah. And it would have been fun if I had, you know, wasn't working two jobs, trying to support the family. I didn't have time to like go snowboarding, you know, which I, I do love. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, my wife was on the same page. Like, you know, my kids were all born either in Nevada or Colorado. So they'd never really been to California. And I really wanted them to have that California experience. That so was really important to me. So finally made it back in 2011, got our house in North County. And uh, we originally vacationed in Oceanside because, again, we're from the Bay Area. And so it was too expensive to move back. I mean, prices are still astronomical. So my wife suggested actually like, well, how about San Diego? And I was like, well, let me look. So the price is a little more affordable. And this is like after the crash, it happened. So we could maybe scrounge up some money to get a nice little house. So that's what we did. And so we moved out here, got all settled, and we're going to the beach every weekend. It was it was fantastic. I had a you know another job at the bank, and I was working two jobs, and my wife was working. And so then, you know, I kind of was playing around with the idea of like maybe I'll go back reserve Air Force. You know, kind of miss the camaraderie. You know, I miss yeah. the camaraderie, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on it. You know, I'm like I don't know, like it's a lot of taxing on the family to do that, you know, deployments, this kind of stuff. So I was kind of like on the fence. I wasn't hundred percent sure I was going to do it. So this is uh this brings us to about August of 2014. And this is right when like the ISIS stuff was happening in Iraq and Syria. And, you know, they were taking over large swaths of Iraq and, you know, killing people. And it was very difficult for me to go home and watch the news and see these places where, you know, you know, I was over there when we first took those areas and liberated them. And, you know, to, to now have these areas fall back into like, you know, kind of more terrorist control and see the people we have, we have like, you know, we went from having women like vote and like, you know, people voting in elections and democracy to them being oppressed again, really hit me pretty hard. Yeah, that, that could be rough. Yeah. yeah. And and I was like, wow, like, you know, we, we sacrificed Marines and Army and Navy personnel and Air Force personnel so they could have that, you know, that 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 uh, that right. And now they're, they're falling, you know, and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here screaming at the TV. So the next day I called up the recruiter and said, I'm in. I was like, sign me up. Let's go. And so I ended up, I didn't end up being a cop again. I am doing what's called air transportation. And what that is, is basically just, uh, you have like the transport aircrafts, the C-130s, the C-17s. They're like, I'm sure you've seen them on on, uh, on TV where like they drop the pallets out of the back and they're like just cargo planes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was my job to basically just load those and unload those. That's it. So pretty simple. So I ended up doing that one week in a month, two weeks a year um, for six years. And so I did that while I was in law school. And it was always like, you know, of course, like I had to go serve my weekend whenever there was like some cool event happening, you know, so it was like, it was a sacrifice. Um, but, you know, it was very rewarding. So after I uh, graduated law school, I applied to be stay reserve, but, uh, you know, obviously go as an Air Force attorney because I had the education to do it. And so that's I got accepted in 2020, I think, and I actually got commissioned as a first lieutenant in 2021 so march 2021 or april something like that so then i just put on captain uh, air force captain in uh, uh, october of last year so you know so far i think i have 15 years total in, in service oh man well, uh, thank you for that man. yeah well thank, thank you for your service josh and congratulations on those promotions because uh, i mean it sounds like you're starting off the, the 2020 decade just just right I'm definitely trying. It's been it's been quite the journey. And so hopefully, you know, I'm having a good time doing the Air Force attorney gig. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. It's not just criminal prosecution. You deal with everything. 
So anything imaginable that happens on base, because um, we're also the civil attorneys for the Air Force. So we have to deal with a lot of civil matters. And what I mean by that is like, you know, like workplace harassment, kind of investigation, stuff like that. Um, any type of land use issues, environmental law issues that we have to deal with at all. So it's really, really fascinating. So my plan right now, unless I get super tired of it, which I can't foresee right now, I'm just going to keep doing it until they tell me I can't do it anymore. So that's kind of the plan. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, so you were mentioning you were a former deputy district attorney. What is the difference between a district attorney and an attorney? So um, as far as like uh, a deputy district attorney or district attorney, um, is an elected prosecutor for the county or whatever district you're in. And in California, we do it by county. And so you have like the San Diego County DA, you have the Orange County DA, Riverside, and so on and so forth. And then underneath them, you have deputies, right? So either assistants or deputies. And the deputies are deputized, like kind of like a sheriff mm -hmm. is like, you know, so you have, you have the same power as the DA underneath him or her. Do you get a badge like the deputies? I did have a badge. Hey, um, hey. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yep. I also had a CCW, which is a concealed carry permit for a gun. Um, so that was fun. Uh, definitely felt more safe than I do now. And then uh, and they, all you do is, is basically you're an attorney that prosecutes the case. You go to jury trial. You convince 12 members of the community that someone's guilty of whatever crime they've been, you know, accused of. And it's kind of a cool system, you know, obviously from mm -hmm. our founding, actually from ancient England, uh, the idea of a jury system where you have, you know, you have a lot of power as a prosecutor. But essentially you're left, you know, with just 12, essentially high school educated people that you have to you have to communicate with. Right. And you have to be able to communicate effectively to you can't talk legalese to them because they're not going to understand it. You know, they didn't go to law school. So you have to convince them, hey, like this guy's guilty and this is why. And here's the evidence. And uh, and that's all you do all uh, all day, every day is just convince, you know, go to jury trial, convince people that they're guilty or whatever. Um, and like I said, it's a really cool system because even though DAs have immense power, they don't have the power to really ultimately decide someone's fate mm -hmm. you know that's that's left specifically to the community right just normal citizens which i think is great so yeah. hey, oh sorry man. I, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. You're good. no no but uh that that was like my main question because I, I i know a lot of people out there and this might sound be dumb but I, I know a lot of people out there are thinking the same thing so a da is not like an actual judge right no so yeah. like so we have like like uh kind of what we talked about when i you know did the uh government class we have the court system then we have uh, the executive branch we have the legislature right so the da falls under the executive branch so as the elected da you're like the chief law enforcement officer of the county so it's kind of like think about the sheriff and the da are kind of the the, the on the same level okay. right and then you have the courts the courts are in california you're appointed appointed by the governor or you're independently elected so you have a completely different role Right. So the judge, unless unless, some, you know, the defendant chooses to be uh, tried by the judge, which sometimes happens, um, you know, you have the jury. The sheriff's right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're always coming for us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you have the, you have the judge that kind of just is like the, the super attorney in the room. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of the, the old wise man, or the old wise woman kind of knows the laws and practicing you have to you have to be practicing attorney for at least 10 years minimum to be a judge uh oftentimes it's probably 20 or more years and they're very at least in, in theory they're supposed to be seasoned and understand the law and they're supposed to be impartial that's why they wear black 
right? No color, no. Yeah, there's, you know, they're not supposed to have any expression. Oh, not, that not, makes sense. Not have to have a bias or anything. They're just there to make sure everything's run fairly and smoothly, right? Now, as the DA, that's not my job. My job is to like zealously, uh, you know, prosecute the case yeah. and protect the victim, right? Yeah. Whereas the defense attorney, uh, same side, different or uh, same coin, different side, right? Now he he has he or she has to defend the client, right? So he has to make sure not only is he getting a he or she getting a fair trial, but they have to like you know advocate for them. Hey, like we have to make the prosecution prove the case. So he. Basically, the defense attorney holds me to account to make sure I prove the case. And then the judge kind of oversees and makes sure everyone's playing fair and stuff like that. Now, once the jury returns the verdict, uh, let's say guilty, then the judge steps in and he's the star of the show because then the judge does the sentencing. And the judge will sentence whatever appropriate, depending on what arguments are made by the different opposing counsel. Um, so that's really the, the role of the judge up until that point is really just the peacekeeper and just kind so of the listen. referee. And just kind of listen, make sure everything's going smoothly. Maybe offer some advice to different attorneys along the way. But when, once we get to the guilty verdict, that's when the judge kind of takes over. And, okay, we're, we're putting you, you know, we're either giving you community service. We're going to, you know, do something else. We're going to send you to prison, so on and so forth. So that's how it kind of works. Ah, interesting, interesting. And I've seen it on TV of, you know, different attorneys and lawyers dressing up all flamboyant. Is that it? Is that an actual thing that happens? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, depending on person, I think people, people's personality dictates their costumes. Okay. And that's really what it is. Uh, because court really is really Broadway, right? It's just you're, you're putting on a show. You're like, all right, I'm on, I'm on stage right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are. And, you know, I, I definitely depending on the situation, um, you know, I don't always dress very like, you know, like super, super wonderful. Um, but like when I am in trial, like I, I put on my best suit, I have, you know, different, uh, different ties that I wear for trial specifically, because I realize that, you know, all eyes are on you, right? Mm -hmm. Well, but if you're just doing like the normal day to day court stuff, or you're just it's you, you and the judge and, you know, just the court staff, yeah, you, know, you can just kind of dress down a little bit. I'd be kind of worried when my attorney just came in wearing sweatpants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you would have wanted him to be. Huh? <laughs> oh, man. In that case, I don't know if I do, man. That was in your budget. Huh? <laughs> You're losing that case. Yeah. I rest my case. Huh? Uh, what, is, uh, what is one of the favorite uh, cases that you have taken on? I would, I would say probably, I don't know if my, I would call it my favorite, but the one that really stands out to me um, was one of the more serious felony cases that I had to prosecute. And how it worked in where I was working is it's a smaller county up in Northern California. And, you know, we have limited staff up there. And so generally speaking, if, if, you know, you're starting off in the misdemeanor unit, I did the misdemeanors for about a year. And if the DA uh, thinks you're ready, like he'll start assigning you felony cases, you know, lower level felonies. Mm -hmm. um, and one way to get a felony assignment is if one of your misdemeanor uh, criminal people uh, commits a felony. Right. You know, obviously, if, if they do a murder or a rape or something like that, that uh, doesn't matter what they do. It's going to go to a more experienced prosecutor. Mm -hmm. right? um, but if they do something, you know, that is in line with what you're already kind of dealing with, um, you can just, you know, the DA will call you and say, hey, are you comfortable doing the next level? And of course, I, I was like, absolutely. Give it to me. I, I love it because um, I, I want to learn. I want to, like, you know, get my experience up. So this particular case. Um, are you guys familiar with, and I didn't know what this was until I read the police report. Um, it's like the Apple, like tracking thing for your keys. Mm -hmm. like, like the Apple tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so and I didn't even know that thing existed until I started reading this police report. What this guy did is they, you know, we had a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, they had a bad breakup, right? So he would start uh, texting her randomly saying, hey, why are you at this address? Oh, damn. You know, and she's like, you know, and she would like go to Sacramento, like drop, she had to drop her mom off at the airport, for example. And he's like, why are you at this hotel in Sacramento? Blah, 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 you know? And she's like freaking out. She's like, what is going on? How does he know that I'm here? You Psychic. Know, like, yeah. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago by and she's at a friend's house, like, you know, in like a different county. Why are you at this address? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, this is just super weird. And it's creepy weird. Yeah. So apparently what he had done is he had stuck one of those Apple trackers in her rear view mirror. And she only found it by coincidence because she heard like it rattling. And she's like, what is this? And like she pulled it out and she's like, oh, my God, he's been tracking me for, you know, like how months or whatever. So then she, you know, filed a police report. That's, that's a misdemeanor. You can't do that. Um, so I get the case. I'm reading it. It's kind of, kind of disturbing. So we get a protective order in place. And what that is, is a, the judge basically signs a piece of paper saying, Hey, you can't have any contact with this person. This person is now under the protection of the court. So you can't contact without our permission. Right. So it's kind of like a, what well, we yeah. know as a restraining order. Yeah. So a restraining order is a wow. civil version of that. So, a protective order for a criminal, a criminal protective order is one issued by the judge and like, you know, more of a criminal kind of focus. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so anyway, so uh, with that in place, he continues to contact her, right, which is an additional misdemeanor. Um, so anyway, so then uh, it, it continues to escalate to the point where I get a call from a one of the police officers that I've been dealing with with this particular case. And he says, hey, like, you know, I'm over here, like, you know, she, he, he, basically made a, a threat to kill her, which, you know, if, if you understand the elements of stalking, that's one of the elements you need, right? Is you have to have a credible threat um, to, her, to somebody's life. So th that kind of made the stalking charge, uh, the more felony version. So uh, we basically put, put things in place to get her protected, get him, get him arrested, get him into jail. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, anyway, so I wish that's where it ended. Unfortunately, it didn't. So, you know, she, she is uh, at home now safe. He's now in jail. And then, um, you know, we, 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 he gets admonished by the court. And what that means, he gets yelled at by the judge. The judge is like, you know, I told you not to contact this person. Now you're going to sit in jail till your trial, this and that. Um, so even after being told by the judge and he's sitting in jail because he's contacting this girl from jail, he calls her an additional 485 times. Oh, my God. 400. Wow. wow. Yeah, almost 500. Wow. So luckily for us, um, the jail calls are always monitored. And there's, yeah. there's another legal advice for all your listeners. If you ever get put in jail, do not talk about your case <laughs> in no matter what over the jail phones because they're, they're all they're recorded. Yeah. They, have, they have Apple tracks on there too. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and additionally, another, another tip that I just thought of, um, don't talk to anybody. If you're in jail, don't talk to anybody about your case. Because another way, if you, let's say you did invoke your right to an attorney and they stick you in jail. One way they get get around that, um, you know, because they're not allowed to talk to you anymore, is they can put an informant in your cell and you can start bragging about your crime you just did. And now that's not, you know, that's that's not protected. Mm -hmm. So now they can use that testimony against you. Right? Yeah. So it's better to, when, when they say remain silent, it's better to do. Just remain silent. <laughs> remain silent, guys. Find yourself Take in those situations. Just <laughs> ask for an attorney. Don't say nothing. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. So anyway, so getting back to the story, um, you know, realizing all these are, are recorded out of the 485 uh, calls that he made, 19 actually connected where they had a conversation out of those 19 calls. I had to listen to all of them. 
It was like a soap opera. And uh, I had his popcorn and everything. <laughs> I almost was sad when all the calls were in it because I was like, well, I want to know what happens next. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to find out on the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so uh, out of the 19 calls I had listened to, three of them, he actually attempted to dissuade her from testifying. Oh. So that's the court considered that considers that very serious, right? And very highly punished under the law, and so much, in fact, that the, those are what's called strike felonies, in which if you you know if you get three strikes, you're 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 gone for life. Um, so he, he did that three times. Now you can't use the, how the Thank law is, um, you know, been adjusted. You know, I would only it would only get me one strike if I was you know to get him on all three of those, um, the equivalent of one strike. But it's a very serious thing that you know I got him on. So basically, I, I used that to kind of leverage um, him into getting a plea deal because I mean it was on tape. I mean, what, what you know? So I dropped the because he probably he was looking at probably nineteen years um, for, for if I had charged him with everything. Um, but I, I ended up d- doing a negotiated deal in which he would go to four years instead of nineteen. Um, he just pleaded just to the stalking charge, um, and then she she gets a ten year protective order and she'll see safe. Um, so I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, um, that's but, right. But that, that, that's a that's a case where I felt really really good about you know making a good impact in the victim's life. So because I mean I I truly believe he probably would have killed her. Shit. Wow. That that's that's really tough, especially when you kind of have the evidence behind it to like back it up and mm-hmm. you know plead your case. Wow. You know the the extent to uh, what people would actually go to. Say you really just you're. I bet you see it all the time that. Are you surprised about what people are capable of you in know, this line of work? You know, honestly, like you always think to yourself, like, I've seen it all. You haven't seen it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's always something else that somebody else comes up with. You're like, wow. <laughs> like, that, I never thought of that. Right. I, it's just one of those things that doesn't get any easier. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, it, 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 honestly, like, I'm not really good at thinking like a criminal. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, it's just you see some of these things and you're just like, wow, like, how'd they come up with that? You know? And like, you, we have to prosecute it. Um, a a lot of stuff that like, you know, really I I have trouble dealing with is a lot of the kid crimes. Um, I tried to stay away from those, uh, mainly because, you know, I have kids of my own and it's just little, it's not really something I'm really like passionate about. There are, you know, I think good prosecutors out there that are really, you know, passionate about the kids and like want to protect them. Uh, but anytime, anytime I have to do with like, you know, sexual assault and, and children, I usually tried to stay away from that kind of stuff. Um, mainly because, you know, the sensitive nature of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my, my wheelhouse was obviously like DUIs, misdemeanors, and then, uh, like a lot of, um, like domestic violence stuff. So that's where I made the most impact. Oh, there you go. Uh, is there any way people can contact you in, in case they want to actually uh, get you further in your service? Yeah, you can shoot me an email. Uh, so it's a uh, first name, Josh, and then D for my middle initial, uh, D is in Daniel. So Josh D and then Rains, R-A-N-E-S at gmail.com. So, and then if I can't actually help you, I, I, I know a ton of attorneys that can. So that's one of the cool things I did in law school that I did differently than undergrad is number one, I, I networked way more. So I knew everybody because I figured, Hey, like, it's always good to know an attorney that does everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, if I don't, if, if I don't know them, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a weird case. Um, and then I also, I did a lot more internships in law, to, law school too. Um, but yeah, so if, if I can't help you with whatever legal issue you have, I'll find somebody who can. So, and, uh, earlier you were saying how, uh, now you work more with small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a similar question to uh, uh, earlier about c- certain things that people might not know, but, you know, they find themselves having a need an attorney or a lawyer. What are some of those uh, things that, so for example, someone with a small business might need to know or basic questions? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, any type of, I mean, it doesn't have to be a small business, any size business really. Um, but if you think about like, for example, uh, like premise liability and what that means is let's say you have a customer comes in and you, we are all familiar with the slip and fall. You know, you have like maybe a, a wet floor or a leak or something like they slip on the floor. Uh Oh, like, do you know, now I'm going to, am I going to get sued? Like, so, you know, we can kind of like defend against those type of lawsuits and like maybe get them settled or make them go away, that kind of thing. Um, so that's a good example of like when you have to worry about like, you know, am I getting sued? Like, or, you know, a former employee is like unhappy, got terminated, he or she got terminated. Um, we can help out with that kind of stuff too. So, mm-hmm. And uh, we have a couple of comments on Instagram and right. over here. Uh, yeah, we got the Torres to join us today. Uh, Jose Torres saying, sub guys, saludos. Uh, Osa Yo, Lens uh, is uh, saying, what's your opinion on the train wreck in Mess in Ohio? Ooh. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, honestly, it's a very unfortunate event. I think there was another train train wreck, if I'm okay. not mistaken, um, just a few days ago in, in Ohio. Um, but it's, it's it kind of just goes to show generally about the uh, failing infrastructure we have, you know, and it kind of, uh, you know, not to get too into politics, but, you know, it kind of infuriates me a little bit when we're sending these millions of dollars to Ukraine, right, and we're having train wrecks here in Ohio, like, you know, because our infrastructure, you know, is is faulty. You know, we have bridges collapsing, this kind of thing. So I would like, you know, if we're going to spend money, we should spend money on here, us, right? right. Yeah. I mean, that makes more sense. You're at home. You know, yes. they put the oxygen mask on first before you try <laughs> to help other people. Exactly. I agree 100%. And that's actually one of the top arguments that they, that some people will bring up about, you know, um, the state stepping in and giving Ukraine a relief. Um, well, the coming war. even besides that, dude, I, think, I think we kind of see it especially here in san diego after this rains you know because now the potholes are coming up and all that stuff like that's still infrastructure dude. that that still goes to the city officials and it takes time for them to go out there and you know patch it up and you know it's it's unfortunate that you know sometimes it, it gets delayed because they don't have the funding uh but you know they'll get to it when they get to it i guess I in mean, the system that's put in place at the moment yes yeah. I, I mean that that's what uh that's why tony hawk was kind of in favor of maybe not pursuing with like the uh what was it the the the, the charger stadium when they were still trying to stay in town or whatnot because yeah. you know he would have rather see the tax money go into you know better developments here in the city bettering our roads and which, which is really needed. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that the five is almost finally complete and that we're going to get a couple extra lanes uh, here in North County, dude, because it's been much needed. That five freeway, it's horrible, horrible traffic if, if you catch it at the right time of day. Yeah, and as someone that, uh, that has worked closely with some of the politicians on the local level um, and from your experience, what would be some of the things that you would concentrate on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's obviously as, you know, planning commissioner, I've thought a lot about different things. Um, but, you know, what originally attracted me to Oceanside in the first place, right, was uh, I love the beach. And one thing I've kind of noticed over the years is like, I don't know if you guys know, the South Oceanside Beach is kind of eroding, you know, so I think I think that should be a top priority. I mean, I mean, I, I, I would have to look at the numbers, but I, I can imagine we probably generate a lot of revenue to fix our roads and stuff like that from tourism. Right. So if we had pristine beaches like Newport or uh, Laguna or even, you know, Mission Mission Bay, um, 
we would attract more people, more people to spend money, you know, more, more people vacation here. That's more money going in to fix our roads and our infrastructure. So I think that would that should be a top priority. Um, secondly, I think, uh, you know, we talked about the, the five. I'm, I'm super excited to see the five expanded too. Um, I would be careful about, you know, there's this kind of movement to kind of reduce the lanes to make room for bikes. And I don't really have a, a you know, bad opinion of bikes, but uh, I, 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 my issue with the, with a, like kind of narrowing the lanes to make room for bikes is I would do the opposite. I would say like, why don't we just expand the lanes and make room for cars and bikes, right? Rather than mm-hmm. trying to, you know, take, take one from the other. Um, the other issue is like, you know, I feel it's kind of like almost fraudulent in a way. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we all, we all here probably have cars. We all pay the, the gas tax, right? And, you know, th- that money is supposed to be going into roads for cars because we're paying the tax. The, the, there is no equivalent tax for a bicycle, right? So they're getting a benefit they're not paying for. Right now, I'm not suggesting we should start a new bike tax or anything, but I'm just like trying to get people to think about like, well, you know, we're, we're spending money to redesign the roads using money that our cars are paying for. Right. So it seems a little, little interesting to me. So I would maybe move that around. Um, as far as uh, like, you know, local, local issues, like, you know, I, I have chickens in my backyard and uh, I think like, for example, um, Oceanside has an ordinance restricting the amount of chickens to six, I think. So I would like to see maybe that number increased, you know, especially yeah, during the. Feels like the marijuana. Yeah, place. I heard the <laughs> city of Escondido allows you to have twenty. That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, believe Escondido. I believe it. Yeah, but it has to be, I think, thirty feet away from your home, and same from your neighbor's home. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, there's a couple of little things involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know, but I think, like, for example, I, I like that rule. At least it, it takes into account people that have bigger yards. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I have a bigger yard. So, I, you know, I, I don't fall into this six minimum thing. So I think, especially during the, this egg crisis that's going on, like, you know, why not 12 chickens? Why not 15? You know, like why not, you know, get it up so people can actually start being more self-sufficient? Dude, how relieved were you when you realized there was an egg crisis? You're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I have those chickens in the backyard. Right <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> how many neighbors did you get in your front door? Be like, can I have a couple of eggs? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we're, we're friendly with all the neighbors. They, we, we give away eggs all the time especially during the summer, it's a little bit more uh, less now because it's winter time and, mm-hmm. you know, they're molting and stuff. But during the summer, we were giving away pallets of eggs, you know, cause we, I, like, I'm really the only one that eats eggs me and my son, my wife really doesn't care for them. And my daughter doesn't like them. So, and they're producing what six a day or whatever, you know, so the one, one, one each. Right. And so, you know, that, that piles up, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you stop eating a couple of days, take a break from eggs, then they, they pile they is, you're all piled up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, but yeah, so uh, it's been really nice to just not have to worry about, you know, actually I, a couple weeks ago I was over at Trader Joe's and there was, I saw a fight break out over the last carton of eggs. Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it was nice to like not have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who took the, who took the carton? I, it was actually like, like it was two guys and like, like, I guess they both reached for it at the same time and like, yeah, they got into a screaming match. And I just, I didn't know who actually won. I just kind of, I got my, I think I had to pick up a, a bottle of wine or something mm-hmm. and I, I got in and got out. Um, so, <laughs> That's funny. They have classic. <laughs> I, I do have uh, one last question, Josh. And um, this is going to be just from your, you know, your, your hometown feel. And that is the Bay. So uh, how, how did you feel when you left the Bay and then came out to here in San Diego, Southern California? 
how, how was that adjustment for you? And, and, and what, what, what do you think? Do you like it here better than the Bay now? Or would you still want to just go back up? Yeah, that, that's an, that's a good question. I mean, cause I mean, you know, I, like I'm kind of in a unique position where like, you know, as soon as I, I was the baby of the family. So as soon as I moved out, my parents sold the house and they're like, we're gone, we're cashing in on the Bay area real estate and we're going to go motor home. Right. You know, the, the, and see, see the country, which is great. You know, they were close to retirement age. I, my mom had me when she was in her forties. So they were ready to retire. They're ready to be done. So then I kind of got stuck, you know, where I can't ever go home again. You know, so um, I, it's so the Bay Area is always going to have a, a very soft place in my heart. Now, I do miss I miss, you know, growing up in the Bay Area. Um, do I miss the traffic? No. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also seeing like, you know, just uh, like how the Bay Area is, is kind of because I've been I've, I've been up there visiting several times, how it's just kind of morphed and like it's not home anymore. You know what I mean? It's like it's changed. Um, is it constantly developing and, you know, getting it's, it's like, you know, it's not like going back because my parents are originally from Indiana. And so, you know, you go back to Indiana, then nothing's changed. You know, it's just the same that it's always been. Uh, it's not not that way in the Bay Area. Um, you know, I can go back and see my old house, but, you know, they remodel it and like, you know, it's not the same anymore. So, you know, I'm just going to have to live with those memories. But I mean, to answer your question, like transitioning. So, you know, I went from Vegas to Colorado and then finally back to here. So I think I cried when I got back here. I'm just glad to be back at the <laughs> beach, man. <Right? laughs> yeah. Tired of mountains in the desert. Out tears here. of yeah. joy. I hope. You know, tears, tears of joy, hundred <laughs> percent. And and I'll tell you, the like, like even even going kind of you know weighing like, like had I had the opportunity to go back to the Bay Area, I think I had realized during that transformation, you know how much I missed the beach. I'm not sure I would have actually ended up being happy in the Bay Area. With a, as much as I really love the beach, and and I, we didn't really get into this, but I, I also have my sailing certification, so I can sail off the coast. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is the place for me, so I, mm. I, I have no regrets. Sailing and kayaking. I I love kayaking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I just I just recently got my advanced sailing certification to the Camp Pendleton Marina. Um, so that was really fun. Hey. So, but perhaps a conversation for another time. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm just gonna power through these uh, comments that we have on Instagram. Uh, we have Jesse Gray Barton saying this is really interesting. Shout out! Shout out to yep. everybody watching. By the Shout way, out to everybody guys. watching. Everybody commenting. <laughs> uh, Esther sixty saying definitely rewatching this episode. Uh, Jesse Gray Barton is laughing at the crash dummy questions comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got him. <laughs> women workout wear. Who is also one of our sponsors? Shout out. Uh, great show tonight, guys, as per usual. Uh, Extra 760 saying, I love watching Drop Dead Diva. Uh, Talk about reality shows, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. we, we, yeah. Did, right, good, we good. did touch, touch we're on out there campaigning. What will people rather pay attention to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mercedes uh, in SD saying, did we talk about death row and life without possibility of parole? And she's also, so is this the attorney from San Diego? And does he work out of Summer Stevens' office? Uh, so yeah, mm, okay. Death parole in California. I know it was in the ballot a couple of years ago about uh, not having the three strike rule. So, uh, but I'm not sure if it passed or not. I don't remember that that much. I'm pretty sure that one failed. Okay. Yeah, because I think all the governors, past and present, came out against it, and I think uh, swayed public opinion against that. Um, and as far as the death penalty goes, I'm yeah, I, I'm not opposed to the death penalty. Um, as a concept, I think, uh, we do it horribly 
in, in, in this modern day and age. Um, and I think with, I think there are obviously certain circumstances that are so egregious that warrant such a penalty. Right. You know, I, I think if you're talking about, you know, I, I can list numerous examples, especially when people confess to it or, you know, they're, they're caught like with DNA evidence, like that is irrefutable. I mean, come on, like, you know, there, there are certain consequences that need to happen for certain mm -hmm. crimes. Now, sh should that bar be very high? Absolutely. Because um, obviously we don't want to make a mistake, right? Right. It should um, be like at the highest of correct. Like, crimes. Should be punishment fit. Uh, you know, the punishment fits the crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and as far as life without parole, I mean, yeah, I mean that's along the same lines. Um, you know, for like maybe the the next level down, I think there again there are unimaginable crimes and people out there that do horrendous things that would warrant such a sentence. But again, I think those things should be very narrowly tailored. Yeah. to specific circumstances. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be as a blanket rule. Mm. 100%. And, hey, any more comments out there, Louie? Nah, man, that's that's it. Uh, lovely laugh slasher saying it did not pass, referring to, uh, uh, what was it, the life without possibility of parole? Or death, the death, death row. Death row, sorry. Yeah. And uh, that's all the comments we have. Cool. I'm great with that, we, that you powered house right through them, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. No, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, and Josh, people were really excited to tune in for tonight on, on your episode, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to bring some value. I was kind of like worried. I was like, I hope I have some stuff to say. Yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's always cool getting to see that side of you know of things and give people a little bit of insight into that that most people don't really have much knowledge about. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, anytime you want me to come back, I'm more more than happy to do so. And can you know come up with some other legal stuff to talk about but, yeah for sure you know, generally i just like helping people you know i like helping the community so you know even though i'm I'm literally this whole this whole episode i've been arguing against my own self-interest because again i'm a criminal prosecutor at heart yeah. um but you this know this man I, has been objecting himself <laughs> 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 yeah but but ultimately like you know we had a you know my da and oh and to answer the one question i, I know i didn't work for summer Stefan. Um, my, my, my county was north of San Francisco. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so about the DA I worked for always had a saying, he said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about winning and losing. It's about wearing the white hat. And that means we need to fight for justice, right? So if we come across, you know, a, a, a victim who's lying, we need to make sure that, you know, that that case gets, gets, gets buried, right? Not buried. That's the wrong word, but dismissed, right? So if we come across basically somebody who is factually innocent, you know, we need to stop the prosecution and do the right thing, right? It's not about winning. So our version of winning is making sure justice is done, mm -hmm. right? So that, if that means, so a lot of times uh, that means the, there's not enough, we, we know this person is probably guilty. We can't prove it. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna mess with it, right? So I, I would say overall, um, I had to dismiss more cases where the guy was probably, guy or girl was probably guilty. I just couldn't prove the case, but I'm gonna do the right thing and you know let let justice take care of it right so rather than try to you know uh, thread the line or do something uh, questionable um you always wear the white hat so yeah yes sir and, and i mean that's the beauty of uh having the privilege to live here in the usa you know you you get the opportunity to actually go into trial and uh you know prove your case and you know See, see, see where it kind of takes you. A fair and speedy trial. Yes, sir. With these COVID restrictions. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> That's yeah. how it got adapted. I mean, we also got to be considerate and also acknowledge that some people um, do work the system, you know? 
There oh, are there are people out there that plenty. not even I wouldn't even consider people. I would just consider them monsters, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As as we're all animals, humans are animals themselves. So those those are just real savages that do deserve uh, to be away from society, to be confined mm-hmm. in those walls, and take the punishment that was bestowed upon them for the pun- for the crimes that they committed. Honestly, and but like I said, the system is flawed. So of course, like people are going to slip through the cracks. Um, some people are, of course, that are innocent are going to find themselves in a situation that's going to be too hard for them to um, to get out of. And I do appreciate people like Josh right over here um, take taking notice of that and also applying um, being human and using logic sense to go about on their work, because that should be applied more than just in the personal agenda. That should be applied more than just a number for statistics on your prosecutions or your wins or your losses. That should be more on the courts themselves to which in, in mo- most of them actually do recognize that this is a broken system at times, and we're just trying to pick it up and work through it, work through it day by day. That's how it is, man. Day by day, one day at a time. Trust you what's best. Yes, sir. I do apologize for the rambling. All right. Last set of comments, and then we're going to give a shout out to sponsors, and then we're going to get out of here. All right. Mr. Renz is a busy man. Uh, so lovely last lashes is because of that circumstance. Uh, I don't remember exactly what she's talking about. Michael Gabriel saying allegedly, allegedly, uh, <laughs> allegedly. Lovely last, uh, lovely last lashes saying that's great because she's trash. <laughs> I think she's referring to Summer Stephens. Uh, personal opinion, <laughs> and, see, and and it's all the system's not always fair, but yeah, I guess so. And then Michael Michael Gabriel saying, "Damn, Bruce is smart." Hey, he'll surprise you sometimes, man. He, he surprises everybody in the podcast all the time, dude. And then, like, the next sentence is just like, wow, there it is. Yeah. He surprises everybody in the <laughs> yeah. podcast and all the time. that's what you got me for. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Louie, all you gave me was a peanut butter sandwich. The most you get is one ramble. Egyptian, he had an option to have honey on his sandwich as well. That's true. <laughs> but um, peanut you butter just confess, bro. You chewy. don't do that. You, you don't say that's true. You just say. You got, yeah, you got to get your you say nothing. <laughs> What? He's your attorney, dog, man. <laughs> you never at one point says, I was under citizen rest. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here with us. We greatly appreciate you of taking course. time and, and uh, giving us, dropping a little bit of knowledge on us like that. Um, I hope you had a good time, Josh. Yeah, I it do. Was, I, it was very nice. Yeah. And the audience loved it, of course. Um, I don't see why we won't have you as a recurring yeah, guest. You, you're season. always welcome. Uh, have you done anything like this before? This is my first ever podcast. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Got another one. <laughs> uh, one more time, can you tell people how they could uh, get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, the best uh, contact is my email address. So it's Josh, J-O-S-H-D, as in Daniel, and then Reigns at gmail.com. There you go. So go ahead, hit him up. And if you need help, if he is not the right person to help you, he will guide you in the correct direction for you to be able to get that assistance. Um, one time, a shout out to our sponsors. Yes, yes sir. sir. Well, first off, I want to thank uh, Josh Reigns for uh, being here with us and sticking through to the whole entire episode, just like everybody on the YouTube, on the Spotify, on the IG, and wherever you tune in from. If you made it this far into the episode, much appreciated. But of course, shout out to all the sponsors starting off on the coast highway with old school Saturdays on old side sports bar and grill, you know, where they're at on coast highway. And this Saturday is going to be special because DJ addict one is going to be spinning. Yes, sir. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a party down there with or without rain. You got to pull up and 
check out them super super sick lowriders out there and then we're gonna keep on cruising down to the oceanside boulevard and we're gonna stop by of course to street knowledge hydraulics for all your car needs stop by street street knowledge hydraulics oceanside boulevard and crouch street then moving along to urban water urban water supplying all the hydration here in the city and followed by the draft restaurant also on oceanside boulevard followed by oaw oceanside l works still on oceanside boulevard or near oceanside boulevard i should say 1-800 ordway open on thursdays to sundays yep and right up the street from that we got the draft and then we also got Natalie's Fashion at 270 Vista Village Drive, right across the street from Kalichi Town. She always got the latest fashion in stock for you. Yep. yep. And then bust a U-turn, go to Full Metal Burgers on Black Plague Brewing. Yep. At Oceanside and Escondido locations. Yep. With Esco having fries. Yep. And just like that, make sure that you grab yourself a Cali Blunt. Make sure to tune in to Michael Gabriel when he comes back on. And thank you for kicking it. Hell yeah. And one more thing. Women workout wear. Contact them right there on Instagram. Cop some gear for your look for your girls. Yep. Yeah, or for your women. Yep. And okay. with that, we are now at the end of the episode. One more time. Thank you so much for taking some time to come down and kick it with us. Bruce, would you mind uh Hell yeah, until then you can catch us next time around. Thank you for sipping up with us. Thank you for toping up with us. Thank you for kicking it.